Okay, dear students, we are going to take a little bit of time to discuss something that's going on right now, the baby boomer generation retirement time bomb. And it's not as though this hasn't been foreseen for many decades, actually, because the baby boomers have been around since after World War II. <laughs> it's just that we're living through it now. There were all kinds of gnashings of teeth and beating of breath and weeping of tears to say that the boomers were just not ready for retirement. And some aren't, but some are, and many are adapting very well to the retirement. Uh, <clears throat> I'm one of them. <laughs> so, but still, we have a serious problem. Between 1940 and 2010, the average lifespan has increased by 15 years or more. While the retirement age, as we saw in the previous presentation, has only increased by two years. In 1940, there were very few retirees per worker. Most workers, primarily men, simply didn't live to 65. Now, not only do most workers reach retirement, the retirement lasts an average of 16 to 20 years. Remember, that sounds like a test question, right? Every day for the next 10 or so years, 10,000 people will have their 65th birthday. That's the baby boom generation. These are the people who were born between 1946 and 1964. Yeah, right. So we've still got a long way before everybody, whatever we use the word, want to describe, makes the transition from their work a day world to their retirement world. See, on slide 24, what we see is that the ratio of, of workers to retirees has decreased drastically. In 1940, there were 30 workers for every one retiree when Social Security was launched. 30 to 1. In 2010, there were three workers for every one retiree. 3 to 1. And by 2050, we expect there to be one and a half workers for every one retiree. Whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. Slide 25. How did we manage to go from 30 workers per retiree down to three workers per retiree without significant economic upheaval? Well, when we think about the changes in society since then, it actually makes a lot of sense. Two worker families became the norm. So you go from 30 to 1 to 15 to 1 just by adding another worker from the family. Plus, productivity gains have been substantial. Yes, technology has increased our productivity per worker by a manyfold. I don't know exactly know the number, talk to the economists. But I do remember a day when there were secretaries, now we call them administrative assistants, who had to do your typing for you, had to do all the number crunching for you. Uh, and now we have tools to allow it to do it ourselves. It's a whole lot easier, in my humble opinion. It's not as though I've, uh, I still have to create the documents, right? I'd much rather create them on a word processor than on a piece of paper and then give them to somebody who types them and then has to retype them. Yes. And quite simply, here's the big reason. As the number of retirees have grown, the number of children per worker diminished. You see, 
we weren't called the baby boom generation for nothing, folks. It was typical to have four, five, six uh, children in a family, and those children did not pass away like they did 200, 300, 1,000 years ago. Right, right. The ratio of workers to dependents has roughly stayed the same. So the only difference is that the dependents have shifted from the children to the elderly. So instead of a lot of little niños running around, we've got a whole lot of abuelitos and abuelitas. Right. So now it makes sense, right? And, you know, if you only had one or two children during the baby boom, there was something fishy about that family, probably communist sympathizers. Now, if you have one or two kids, people kind of look at you. If you have five kids, they definitely think, hey, you know, they know what causes that now. And besides, you know how much a quinceanera causes these days? Right. <laughs> it's a whole different world. Okay. The problem is twofold. Baby boomers have not been saving enough for retirement. And I wish I had saved this. Uh, it was a, um, a radio interview of uh, baby boomers and, and their retirements. Oh, it's about you know 15 years old now. But this gentleman said, and I, every time I say it, it sounds like I'm saying it sing-songingly, like a like a like uh, like a like a Dr. Seuss rhyme or something like that. I didn't mean to mean to say it that way, but I always do. Unless a big bucket of cash falls out of the sky, I'm going to be working until I die. And he didn't say it the way I said it. I always sing-song it. I apologize. He was just being matter-of-fact. He goes, I'm just going to be working until I die. And that's what a lot of people think. They think they're going to be working the same they are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, even 50s. But I got to tell you, folks, once you hit 60s, it's a whole different ball of wax. It's a whole different world. I just do not have the same energy I did 20, 30, 40 years ago. That's for certain. Also, there aren't going to be enough workers to service the economy. Wait a minute. We have unemployment like crazy now. That's because the people can't work because of a COVID. But we will. We have a worker shortage in several industries, especially healthcare. These are the healthcare and the other services that the retirees will demand. And if you recall, back from Chapter 9, the average person between ages 60 and 70 uses more medical resources than they did between ages 0 and 59. And one-third of all Medicare doctors' dollars are spent in the last year of life. As we discussed in Chapter 9, this is a, this is a, a, a growth trajectory that cannot continue on into the future. We're going to have to deal with that, but that's a whole different other discussion. But still, there's a, they're going to be competing for more workers. Yeah. So what are possible solutions, right? Aggressive saving by boomers. Well, right. Everyone over 50 should be socking away the new maximum limits into their 401ks or Roth IRAs, etc. But that just didn't happen. It still isn't happening. And some of us, it's a little late. It doesn't make sense to be putting money away in your mid-60s and your 70s. Yeah, now's the time when you should be taking it out. Raising Social Security taxes. We hear this and people don't understand what they mean by it because most people are not affected by it. But once in 2020, it goes up every year with inflation, you've earned $137,700. You no longer pay the Social Security taxes. 
And so that's why you often hear, you know, people who are uh, who are know what's going on saying, wait, the wealthy are not paying their fair share. Well, they're the wealthy's taxes are capped, but also their benefits are capped. So the wealthy will say, but you don't understand. Even if you even if I, you know, paid over a million dollars worth of taxes for Social Security, I still am not going to get any more when I retire than I would if I just you know, made the 137700 So it's an issue that is bandied about in certain areas. Most people don't even know it exists. And ugh, older people have traditionally more sway with politicians, so they might demand that this happen. We want you to raise Social Security taxes so we have a fully funded Social Security system, which we said in our previous chapter is not going broke but it's not fully funded. So if nothing else changes, which it will, it's only going to have about 70 some percent, 71, 72% of coverage. So instead of getting whatever you thought you were going to get, say 10,000 a year, you might only get 7,200 a year. But that's not going to happen because we said older people have traditionally more sway with politicians, but it's a recipe for intergenerational warfare. If nothing else changes, taxes would essentially have to double from 8% or 7.65 actually up to close to 16% because we're going from three workers down to one and a half workers. That's probably not going to happen because other things are going to happen along with it. But still, some people believe that we're going to have to raise Social Security taxes or contributions to that mandatory retirement system. We don't like to use the word taxes, but most people think of them as Social Security taxes. Slide 28. How about lowering Social Security benefits? Well, again, if we don't do anything else, they will have to be lowered because Social Security just won't have enough money. But seniors traditionally have more sway with politicians. But again, this is another recipe for you guys spent all our Social Security money and now you you want more from us, the young people say. The Bush administration proposed this and it back way back in 2005, and it would have reduced benefits by up to 49% for oh, many workers over the next several decades. And of course, it would have hit the middle class the hardest surprise because they're the ones who make up the vast majority of individuals. It went nowhere quickly, dear students. Slide uh, 29. How about investing Social Security in the stock market? Well, you hear this every once in a while. You heard it a lot before the Great Recession and stock market crash of 2008. Well, the problem is it'll be very costly because you have to still pay the current beneficiaries their fully funded pension. See, it's the same problem with the defined benefit versus defined contribution. It'll be great for individuals starting out if they are prudent, if they invest consistently, if they invest wisely. But it's going to cost a lot of money right now because we have to deal with the people who say, hey, you know, you told us this is what it was going to be. Don't leave us dry, high and dry now. So we're talking about two and a half to four and a half trillion dollars. Oh, well, a trillion dollars here, a trillion dollars there. <laughs> okay, here's the real kicker, though, on slide 30. An economy consists of both supply and demand, so financial solutions alone will not work. 
Okay, let's think. Let's assume boomers saved enough for the retirement. In other words, everybody has enough money to fully fund their retirement. There's enough demand. If there are not enough goods and services to service that demand, in other words, there's insufficient supply, right, you know, there's that supply and demand uh, equilibrium that would be upset. The result will be large-scale inflation of goods and services or large-scale deflation of financial assets or both. Huh? Why? What? <laughs> Look, if I save more than everybody else, I can retire without a problem. There's enough goods and services to supply my individual needs. But if everyone saves more, then everyone will want the same goods and services. Everyone will all be bidding up the prices of healthcare, leisure, retirement housing, or everyone will have to accept lower prices for our saved financial assets since everyone would be trying to sell them at the same time to pay for the same goods and services. Did you follow me on that? Stop and think about it. Some actions, I mean, some, likely both actions will occur somewhat, but really what, what we're seeing already is that the younger generation is more in, involved, the younger generations are more involved in investing than ever before. So the baby boomers don't have to worry about selling their goods and their, their, their financial assets to each other. They have a ready, gener, ready two or two and a half generations that are buying them up. And we're seeing the price of healthcare, leisure, retirement houses go up, but it has slowed recently. Why? I'm not sure, but we could go into the reasoning behind that. But it's still, some places are still, it's still very expensive. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't seem to be going up uh, as it was, you know, it was about 10 years ago or so. So we're seeing this somewhat. How about economic solutions? Increased productivity. Well, that's always a good thing, no matter what. And in productivity has slowed over the last several years. Why? Because technology is, I guess, taking a breather and uh, working only on getting us to uh, stare at the screen more often instead of getting us to work. So we'll see what technology has in store for us soon but it's the same problem as increasing the taxes if you increase productivity you must share that increased productivity with people who are still working and it will help the economy substantially but not necessarily the goods and services that retirees need because they tend to be more uh, labor intensive how about increasing developing world trade dear students right the next engine of world economic growth, well, in my humble opinion, it is the current engine of, of most of the economic growth going on. But still, retirement goods and services are not easily traded across the globe. How do you trade a golf membership across the globe? you got to get the person to move there, right? <laughs> Which is one solution we might look at in a bit. Uh, healthcare, yes, I guess with telemedicine, we can have our doctors in India and the Philippines and Brazil. Remember the surgery vacations? Would you be willing to go abroad? How about reallocation of the workforce? Well, this is happening already. And as we told you way back in chapter one, healthcare, 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 you will be <laughs> much more in demand than if you uh, find some other uh, well, there's other, there's other things. You don't have to. If you don't want to have I don't like to sell the blood myself, side of blood. So there's other things to be doing in the healthcare industry other than helping, you know, working with the frontline people. But still, there, there's a future for you there. But I want to get you in the financial services 
industry, which is not quite as big as the healthcare industry, but pretty darn big. So anyway, reallocate the workforce. And then how about demographic changes? Because demography is always precursor to economics. In other words, the people always precede the business that is that is done. How about immigration, increased immigration? Well, that's a hot button issue, hasn't it, brother, the last four years? Darn foreigners. Ever visited a nursing home or assisted living facility? Right. You know, they're all from someplace else. God bless them. Uh, my uh, mother-in-law just loved her, uh, her, her, I forget, I don't know what his title was. We just called him an orderly, but he would help her take a, a shower and help dress her and everything. And she looked at him. He was beautiful. He was from somewhere Eastern Europe, Russia or something like that. And he was blonde and strapping tall. And she would just look up at him like, oh, we called him Sasha. We don't know what his real name was. That's terrible, isn't it? We just, just assume his name's Sasha. We should have asked him, but we, we, every time he come, we were always, always leaving already, but to maintain this. Yeah. And then of course there's many people from the Philippines and from East Ethiopia and from uh, Mexico and South America and from East Asia. Yeah. The increased immigration, but to maintain the same ratio of workers to retirees, we would need approximately 85 million immigrants over the next 30 years. You think that's going to happen? Well, maybe We'll have more now that uh, hopefully Trump leaves, but we'll see. How about increased retiree emigration? Costa Rica, anyone? Remember the retiring abroad? But again, the mind, the numbers are mind-numbing. If anything else, everything, anything else didn't happen, if nothing else happened, if this was the only thing that we changed, which of course it won't be, we would need 120,000 retirees leaving each month for the next 30 years to keep the ratio intact. So that's not going to happen, although some people are going to leave and they're going to be very happy where they are. And then, as we said, once they get really old and feeble, they often come back. The above two scenarios will help somewhat, but no, not significantly. So how are we going to do this, dear students? How are we going to do it? <laughs> We're going to raise the retirement age. Remember we said from 1940 to 2010, the retirement age only went up by two years, and yet people are living 15 years longer? So to maintain the current ratio of workers to retirees, we would need to raise the accepted retirement age to 72 or 73. Indeed, we just saw the required minimum distributions moved up to 72. It's going to happen, folks. It's already happening. If it's not mandated, retirement will simply become unaffordable and unavailable to more and more workers. It is already happening. Retirees are returning to the workforce. Their health is good. They want to be productive. Businesses are accommodating older workers. Fewer hours, more flexible work schedules. I have a good friend who I rode bikes with. And we're not riding bikes now. i got to get back into it myself. We don't ride in groups anymore. But she was counting the days until she could retire because... She hated her boss, but she loved her job, and she was a very highly skilled uh, nurse in the uh, in the ER. So you know they got to be able to deal with a whole range of problems, but 
she couldn't wait and i told her she was only 60 only 60 which you know sounds old to some of you young folks but it's it's not anymore it's not old and so i told her i looked at her i said you wait six months from now a year from now you're gonna get a phone call hey we want you to work only a few hours a week no bs you have to deal with you just do your job We'll pay you this much. What do you think? And she said, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. So she retired and she went to Bali and she rode her bike through Vermont during the fall. And then it was almost six months to the day when she got that phone call. <laughs> and she said, you know what? This is not a bad deal. The money's good. I only have a few, you know, a few hours a week. I don't have to deal with the administration, write reports or anything like that or you know, whatever the BS that they have to do that we have to do too, which has nothing to do with the students to just keep administrators busy. Um, sure enough, and another friend of mine who rides bikes, he retired four times. <laughs> he retired once. He's a very powerful electrical engineer. And he got bored sitting around the house and his wife wanted him out the house. And so he got a job a few hours a week, a few hours a day. And then when they realized how high powered he was, they gave him more and more work and he would he would quit that job, retire from that job. And then he got bored and that happened like three times, I think. And then finally he started his own fix it business. He's now a uh, handyman and he uh, fixes people's appliances and other little, and the like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you see people, they leave the workforce and then they go, wait a minute. You know, I did everything I was going to do. I took my trip to the Alaska or whatever. And I rode, I, re I read uh, 30 books I wanted to read. And now what? Many older people are starting businesses. Can you believe it? That's when you, you should be doing that in your twenties. You know, when you have all this energy, but they, they, they have, they have an idea. They, they get help. So people are just, because we're living longer, we're going to be working longer. And that's going to, and that is what's dealing, how we're dealing with the retirement time bomb. That is the baby boom generation. You are now hearing politicians saying we need to raise the retirement age. Just a few years ago, no politician would have dared say anything like this for fear of being lynched. So. We will solve this problem on slide 35. We have faced serious problems before. The American economy is extremely resilient and the American people are extremely resourceful. A combination of some or all the previous possible solutions will be implemented with or without formal training. Although we Americans are very resilient and resourceful, we tend to be horrible at planning. We want to take action. Ready, shoot, aim, right? <laughs> Ready, fire, aim. Whereas the Europeans, the Japanese, you know, they're all into planning. You know, we got the Americans are jumping them now. Come on, we got to do something now. We will indeed be living in what are called interesting times. Are you familiar with the alleged ancient Chinese curse? May you live in interesting times? Turns out it's really not from China. I don't know where it's from, but the Chinese say, huh? We, we don't have a saying like that. Uh, but that it's a cool saying, isn't it? May you live in interesting times is a curse. Oof. As Vladimir Lenin said, there are decades where nothing happens and there are weeks where decades happen. Well, he ought to know, shouldn't he? Slide 36. The nature of retirement will change. Expect on living much longer than you ever thought you would. Hurry, yippee, hurry. 
expect on working much longer than you ever thought you would. Start saving now. Okay. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that because it's happening right now. And we're doing a, you know, a decent job, COVID notwithstanding, of not sending all these elderly people onto the streets. Although there are issues with that. But as I told you in our last presentation, I met some people down in Mexico. This was a while ago, folks, uh, in Morelia. I met other expats and other places, but Morelia, uh, they were, they were these people told me they were living off their Social Security and living fairly nicely, actually. So, <clears throat> in our next and last presentation, we discuss a lugubrious topic. Isn't that a fun word, lugubrious? It means morose or... A bummer, a downer topic. Estate planning. Planning for our ultimate demise. See you in our last, our final presentation for Business 121, dear students.